Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle and thank you for joining us at www.sonic-cinema.com. Tonight, I'm going to take another deep dive into the world of horror. Uh, joined once again by Phil Fasso from Death Ensemble. And uh, this time we will be joined by our good friend Heather Burnt, who is the one who actually introduced us. She's done uh, written work for both Sonic Cinema and Death Ensemble over the years. And she, horror is a uh, genre that's near and dear to her heart. And so it only made sense that we bring her in on this as well. And uh, this should be a pretty fun conversation. I'm looking forward to it. So for this episode, we're going to uh, take another dive into the uh, horror genre. This being October, this being a month where a lot of people tend to dig into uh, horror any way they can. And uh, I'm joined once again by Phil Faso from Death Ensemble. It's good to hear from you again. Thank you. And on this conversation, we are bringing in our uh, friend Heather Burnt, who actually brought us together. She's done some uh, writing for both Sonic Cinema and Death Ensemble, and uh, horror's a genre near and dear to her heart. So it's good to bring her in on this. Near and dear to my heart. That sounds so wrong when we're talking about horror, but <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But you know what? I mean, it, it is kind of true, and when it comes it to... It is near and dear to my heart, though. I'm not, I, don't want, I don't want to jump right in with name dropping, but, you know... AJ Bowen, hello. I'm just going to drop it. Yeah, I mean, that's going to come up in the conversation. Talk about near and dear to my heart. Well, and that's I mean, going to come up. Well, and certainly. That's going to come up. Sorry. No, nah, that's all right. And certainly talking about the uh, horror genre, I think both Heather and I, since we went to school, high school with uh, AJ, it'd be, we'd be remiss to not bring him into the conversation because some of our favorite uh, horror movies of the past few years have uh, had him in there. No, I did not. My heart. You didn't have a crush on him for five years of your life. Um, <laughs> no, sorry, I did I not go to high school with AJ Bowen, and I have never had a crush on him, so I'm totally lucky. No, out. I, but Brian definitely didn't, or not that I know of. No, not I. I, I, I did not. I definitely yeah, did not. Sorry. You, you are, you are the only one uh, of this three that. I uh, can definitely say that. But I'm not the only person I know that had an epic crush on him. I thought I had the most epic crush. But I've heard some other stories about other crushes. <laughs> Whatever. But near and dear to my heart, yeah. That, it's, I didn't even know he was into horror himself all those years that I was crushing on him. It was weird. What and was then he it? ended up stuck in horror movies that I love. <laughs> and one that I hate, but... I yeah. haven't told him that. <laughs> well, we we could we could talk about those uh, a bit later. So, gang, right? Yeah, into exactly. It. <laughs> like I said, I did. I didn't want to name drop right away. But I know it's going to come up in the conversation. And he said, "Near and dear to my heart." And I'm like, yeah. "Well, I feel like AJ's near and dear to my heart. <laughs> it's going to come up. It's going to mm -hmm. come up. We're talking more. You use those words. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Heather, what what exactly was it about the uh, horror genre that sort of where you gravitated towards it and sort of when did that start for you? And this, I knew this question was because I listened to your, your podcast with Phil and um, 
I was like, how do I answer that? Because I honestly don't know exactly how or why I gravitated towards it. Yeah, it's not, let's face it, Heather, it's not an easy question. Like, I, when I gave my answer, it's a bunch of different factors, you know? It's a bunch of different things coming together at one time. It's not any one thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's true. But what? But for me, I realized, it made me realize, like, um, how, how, bad my parents were at parenting. I had very absentee parents. You guys both talked about, like, Brian said his parents allowed him to watch the Friday the 13th movies. And you talked about, you know, you had dysfunctional families. They kind of felt like it was an escape from that or whatever. For me, I'm just demented. And my family is, sorry, Brian, fucked up. Um, you're going to have to put one of, a warning on. You know, oh, I, just, I, I don't care about language on here. I'm fairly okay, certain good, I've dropped a few F-bombs. Well yeah, that, I, um, I, I, I have, have no problem with that, so. Okay, good. Um, so <laughs> I was like, I don't know how else to say it. My family's fucked up. So, my, you know, I'm very absentee parents, and so I watched whatever the fuck I wanted. Mm-hmm. And my brother, my brother and I just basically raised each other, and and uh, my brother is 18 months older than me. He was a terrible influence because his friends were terrible influences on him. And so I gravitated towards things I really probably shouldn't have <laughs> been exposed to as a child. <laughs> so when did it start? As a child. Um, after my dad left, um, because my dad was a pretty strict parent when he, before he left. But then it was like my mom did, my mom could only watch us so much, you know. She was a single mom and she had to work and it was like we were latchkey kids, and it's like it was just like no parenting. We just watch this demented shit whenever we wanted. And I just I told I told Brian um, privately that, that I used to watch these obscure horror movies in high school with a friend of Brian's and mine. That uh. If we would just go to the video store and try to find the most obscure shit we could find, and the more the, like we rented Cannibal Holocaust, <laughs> just because oh it, had, it had the it had label on it that was that said it had been banned in like forty two countries, and we're like, that's the one we have to watch, just because we wanted to see the most fucked up shit we could find, and so. It started when I was a young kid. I was watching stuff I really shouldn't have been. And then by high school, I was I was going to the store with a, with a friend on a regular basis to find whatever messed up shit we could find. So I don't know what made me gravitate towards it, and it makes me it makes me question myself a lot. Like, what is wrong with me? I like this really messed up stuff. So. Well, and the thing I is, absentee parents—that's the short answer, Brian. Well, absentee parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, it's like sort of when I did really start to watch horror movies, like the Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, and stuff like that. I mean, it it came from word of mouth. It came from you know other people talking about it and stuff like that. I mean, I think if especially depending on the age, if you're younger. And you're not used to that type of thing. I think that is that's how a lot of people get into watching it. I mean, it's not necessarily like, I mean, you know, my parents wouldn't have taken me to see those movies. But the fact of the matter is, it's like at a certain point. Now, I should clarify something you you 
point out from the podcast, and I think I pointed out in there too, but it's like, so my parents, and specifically my mother, who was more of a movie person and pop culture person than my dad is, I mean, she, she, yes, it is true that she let me watch horror movies and slasher movies up to a point when I started to really, like, get into, like, I watched the first six Friday 13th movies, and then I started to think about, ooh, writing, like, little sequels and stuff like that. I mean, and the whole idea of Jason as the unkillable killer that type of thing unnerved her. So I think to a certain extent, she, at a certain point, she had to, felt like she had to step in and it's like, sort of basically get me to back off a little bit on watching horror uh, because she was a bit concerned for my emotional well-being because of the whole idea that I was sort of obsessed with this, you know, unkillable killer and the fact that that is... It's not really a. Uh, it's not really something that, obviously, you're not going to see that in real life, and it's like, it's it's it can. I think at that point I was still a little bit more impressionable to where that could, if if I had taken a wrong turn somewhere, that could have screwed me up. But the fact of the matter is, so yeah. you're saying you're not screwed up, Brian? Oh, I know I am, but not to the <laughs> point where, you know, somebody is going to look at something that I did and have done in my life and go, oh, well, maybe the movies made him do that. And it's right. like, yeah. So that that's where I'm coming from when I say that. I mean, I clearly yeah, I don't, have issues. I, don't, but... I, don't, I never found, I don't think nothing, I was never obsessed with any, with, with horror. I just really have always loved it but it's like i love different stuff than both you and phil same especially phil phil and i disagree on stuff all the time yeah but i disagree on stuff with people all the time it's not just you everyone disagrees with me (laughs) (laughs) but i mean in terms of horror specifically like you know the genre better than i do but we like and dislike different things about it but here's the thing here's the thing about horror there is so there are so many things out there within the genre, you know. Mm-hmm. There's supernatural stuff. You got your slashes, home invasion. There's so many things out there that there really is something for every horror fan to like. Now I have my particular likes and dislikes, you know. I appreciate other people like Brian. I know loves The Shining. We had a discussion on Facebook a couple weeks yeah. before the first podcast where you know I just said it's not my cup of tea. You know, it's mm-hmm. not the movie for me. Um, but I understand why he wants it. He likes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like those slow burn kind of movies. This is why when I when I was talking about like AJ's movies that I love and one that I hate, <laughs> like <laughs> the one that I hate is the one that even AJ himself is so proud of, and I knew he was proud of it, and I didn't want to like I didn't want to shit on it <laughs> because like he's so proud of it. I mean, he, he should be proud of his work. He was one of the best things about it. And I'm not saying that just to be mm-hmm. just because I know him. It's, it's honestly true. But I hated that movie so much. And it was one of those slow burn movies. And and which I one was that? I get why people like that. House of the Devil. Oh, I, I hate, hate that movie. That movie. <laughs> that movie was so painfully terrible to me. But AJ was really proud of it, so I had to see it. There's a scene in that movie. But now I am sitting on it open. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's a scene in that movie, and again, I, well, I'll go back to what slow burn means to me in a minute. But there's a scene in that movie where it literally spends like two minutes watching the babysitter watching TV. Now, <laughs> I know that babysitters in real life watch TV when they're watching kids. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see that for two minutes. That's boring. And when I, when I hear slow burn, I really hear, hey, nothing happens a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I equate slow burn with. So for me... You know, I'm I'm not one of those guys. I mean, life is about action and reaction. Movies are supposed to imitate life in some way or, or another. So movies want to imitate, you know, and have have action and reaction. That's what that's all about. You know, I I know people went nuts, and I can people love Ty West, and I love that flick. I I watch it, and I'm like, what am I watching here? I'm watching a babysitter babysit. This is not funny. Right. right. Yeah. I like Greta Gerwig was fantastic in that movie and the killer off. Like she was so she and AJ were the best things about that whole movie. She was well, fantastic. Because well D. Wallace is in it. You know I love D. Wallace, so Well there is that too, but but like I like Greta Gerwig was fantastic. I hated that they killed her off so fast. She was like the best thing in the movie until they killed her. And there was of course AJ's the one that killed her. And then and then the next thing, I mean, AJ was good until the end when I I hope I hope that in your next because Ty West was in your next also. I really hope that the my eye scene in both movies was like was a deliberate callback to the to House of the Devil because yeah. that was hilarious to me. It was so absurd, and it I hope that they thought it was absurd too. Um, otherwise, if, it was, if they were serious, like they thought that that was like a good, like, serious <laughs> element. No, it's not, but it's hilarious to me. And like I, now, when I think of AJ, I think my eye, and it's like I don't know. Those, those, your next is AJ is high class, but a movie I love because there's a lot of action in that movie, and it's a total slasher. Mm-hmm. And he told me I would love it, and he was right because he knows me well enough to know I love a good slasher. And that was definitely a good slasher. And I loved seeing him fat. I told him that on Twitter. He didn't like it very much. But I said, oh, I love seeing him fat. Um, but I did because I knew skinny AJ growing up. And then the whole joke in that movie was about him being the fat brother. <laughs> that was funny to me. It was really funny to me. And the way he played that part of the character. I know I've like switched movies that we're talking about, but I'm just... You know, it's like to me that you mentioned Ty West, so immediately I thought of your next again. Mm-hmm. Not again, but a movie Brian, that does suck that has AJ and Ty West involved. So, Brian, you okay. do realize that you're gonna have you, Brian, you do realize you're gonna have to call this Sonic Cinema's AJ Bowen podcast, right? <laughs> oh, whatever. No, I don't. <laughs> I didn't even come out. I didn't really plan to like talk about it that much. It's just that. I mean, like, I can't. I associate the genre with him in yeah. a lot of ways, not entirely, but there are a lot of movies that I, like I said, that I love and one that I hate that he's involved in. Um, but I will, I will agree with you on one thing. He does look better with a little weight on him. Mm-hmm. I don't think he looks better with it. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought it was funny. It's funny to me to see to see him have a little heavier because he's not naturally like a chubby guy. Um, and he's really, I think he's, he's, I think he's, I feel really bad. Like, I, I think he's a little, uh, he's a little sensitive about it. 
I thought they, I mean, he put it on for a role. I think it was the role in, what was it, Horrible Way to Die, which I still haven't seen. Yeah. He put oh. the weight on for a role, and then he still had it on when he was filming your next. I don't know if it, which came first. I don't know which movie came first. Maybe he kept the weight on for your next or whatever, but that was part of the, the whole thing in that, that character in your next. The brothers picking on him for his weight. And mm-hmm. I just found that I found that really funny because just mostly because I because I know him and I know him not to be a fat guy, <laughs> um, but he played it really well. Like one of my favorite things in your next is the the family photo. Like this is such a, like the subtlest thing is so fucking brilliant though. The family photo. AJ is the fat brother clearly sucking it in. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a committed actor right there. That's like that's what is so great about his performances. I his performances are great. Not all his movies are great, but yeah, I'm I'm really surprised that you still have not seen a horrible way to die. I I I, I haven't I feel seen like, a lot of stuff that I came to see. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean you know, I haven't seen. This is not a horror topic, but. You know, I thought we were just saying, talking about how I still haven't seen um, was it, War for the Planet of the Apes, which yeah. I should have seen. Mm-hmm. I'm mad that I missed it in theaters. So there's a lot of movies I haven't seen that I mean to see. Horrible Way to Die. Like, that's mm-hmm. one on the backlog. Because I, I have a terrible attention span, and I forget to go see movies that I want to see. And then when I have the chance to, I'm like, no, I'd rather watch, you know, this stupid you know, reality show that requires no brain effort whatsoever in the next half hour to an hour. Um, because, yeah, my attention span sucks. So I really have to be in the right headspace to deliberately watch a movie, like yeah. a feature film. But that's why, that's why I like a lot of the movies that I like. That I, that I, I can't defend them as being like quality. Mm-hmm. I like them because they don't require a lot of brain effort. I like movies that make me think. But I also like movies that make me not think. Yeah. <laughs> so, and my and my attention span it determines which I'm going to choose at any given day. Mm-hmm. Well, but sometimes there's nothing wrong with you know. I mean, I tend to lean more toward cerebral stuff in life and and literature and movies. But sometimes you know, there's there's that. Time there's a stuff where I just want something that's dumb fun, you know? I can accept yeah. that as long as as long as the movie knows it's dumb fun. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. When a movie thinks that it's saying something or it's being something different, it's it's just dumb. That's not fun, you know? Yeah. But right. when a movie's dumb fun and it, it knows it, it knows what it is, you know, I'm fine with that. I can enjoy that. Right. And that's why my roommate has downloaded a shit ton of obscure Low budget B movie horror movies <laughs> to watch between now and Halloween because he and I that's one of the things that he and I clicked on right away was our love of that kind of horror movie. Mm-hmm. Like, low budget, dumb fun kind of stuff. The stuff that is terrible, like, in, like impossible to argue that it's quality, <laughs> um, but just dumb fun. And there's one of the movies I'm looking forward to most that he has downloaded, just from the title alone, is Aerobicide. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I don't, like, just from the title, I'm like, I have to see this. Like, Aerobicide is it like the other, the other <laughs> title in, an, I guess, another country, Killer Workout. 
Um, aerobicide is a better title. A killer workout tells you exactly what's going on. This is a horror movie, cheap horror movie that has something to do with people being killed working out. Yeah, I'm all for well, it. And well, then you got to check out. Then you got to check out Death Spa. Oh, oh! I will have to tell him to that. <laughs> Death Spa is one of those killer gyms where it's possessed. This possessed workout equipment. You should find fun with that one. Then. Oh my god! <laughs> is, is is that? Yeah, ne- these are the movies that I love. It's like I love the cerebral movie too, but I really, God, I love the dumb stuff. Like I'm, I unabashedly love really stupid shit that is mm-hmm. just stupid for the sake of being stupid. Although there are some that are absolutely terrible that aren't even fun on that level and. I can't remember the name of one. It was one that was locally produced, and it was so bad. Like we thought that it was going to be great because it was it, like the title and the the plot and the premise just sounded like, oh, this is going to be so bad, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out to be like so bad that we regretted this <laughs> time we wasted watching it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the title of it now, and uh, it bugs me that I can't remember the title because I want to tell everyone, don't watch this. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, do you know Do you that, know Death Spa is available on Netflix or something like that right now? Because I feel it's like... It's actually available that. for free on Amazon Prime right now. I know that much. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm making a note. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've I've been, you know, it's like I've got a pretty decent collection of horror in my movie collection, but it's like a lot of the time, like especially this month, it's like we've got stars, we've got Hulu, we've got Netflix. I've been looking through all of those, seeing if there's stuff that I'm kind of interested in as far as, oh, I've kind of heard of this, but not really. And it's like, oh, this seems like it could be an interesting movie, but... uh yeah, I, I've been kind of disappointed with like Netflix's collection selection this month. It's like there's not a lot that, like, if there's really cheesy creature movies out, if I were in the mood for that, it's like I'd probably be enjoying it. But like, I there's not much as far as like really cheesy like slashers and stuff like that. Stars has a lot of that right now on their app, but uh, yeah. Well, Netflix is too concerned with pushing its own stuff right now. Yeah. Netflix used to be a goldmine for, you know, retro horror flicks and mm-hmm. all kinds of fun stuff and obscure stuff. You know, you find AIP movies with Vincent Price, like a witch finding general now. It's all like, and again, I have to say that the most recent horror flick I watched the other night when I had the night off was The Babysitter, which is a Netflix original. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're more intent on pushing out their own stuff. And uh, I think that's kind of a shame because, you know, Hulu and and Stars and, you know, Amazon Prime and things like that, they've really pushed it well past where Netflix is. And, you know, mm-hmm. for a genre fan, it's kind of sad if you just, if that's your only outlet for it. Yeah. There was that, there's a new, there's a new uh, service that, that I actually, I just sent Brian a link the other day. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's like, Movies anywhere or something like that. That's gonna that's trying to compete with with Netflix and Hulu oh, because yeah. Netflix and Hulu and Amazon are all, are pushing out all their own original material. 
Yeah. Like, like they they want to they want to get back to being more like you know Netflix used to be, where you could you could find all the stuff that you want to see that from all the different. Um, well, the thing is, maybe I maybe I need to reread that article again. I kind of got the impression that what that article was doing what was saying was that movies everywhere was basically like sort of a hub for all of the services. I may need to reread it. I know. Like, I, I'm a little bit confused by it, too. But that, to me, I'm glad that that, whatever they're doing, whatever exactly it is, it sounds like it's going to be a good thing because I'm annoyed that Netflix, I'm not a big Netflix watcher in the first place, but I'm annoyed that ne- that they are putting out so much original Mm-hmm. Stuff that I'm not terribly interested. In. I mean, there's a lot of original stuff they're putting out that I am interested in. Um, yeah, usually documentaries, but like all the other stuff, I'm like, no. Like, I want to find, I want to find like the the horror movies that mm-hmm. I haven't seen, or yeah. I want to find the blockbusters I missed when they were in the theaters. But yeah, no, it's you're not finding that stuff on Netflix anymore. Yeah. Um, and I don't like that they put the signal in Halloween favorites one year. No, that movie's a Christmas movie. Holiday <laughs> movie. That movie takes place at New Year's Eve. Well, That's I think it, crazy. It's I think your algorithm I think your algorithm for picking Halloween favorites is a little ridiculous considering that, you know, the babysitter got released uh, last Friday, the thirteenth, it's six days on there and they've already got it as a Halloween classic. According to six <laughs> groupings. So yeah, I'm not really uh, too concerned about that. Yeah, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I got you. I'm right there with you on it's that. Just, it's a Christmas movie, damn it. It's not my Halloween favorite. See, I know these movies too well, and I'm trying. I'm trying my damnedest not to turn it into what you just said a few yeah. minutes ago. <laughs> because I love so many of those movies. Mm-hmm. This signal is seriously one of my favorite horror movies ever, though. I, I, I'm like, that's not even a name dropping. Like, he's my friend, and he's in it or whatever. Like, no, I love that movie. Period. The movie is fantastic. Um, it's, it's probably my favorite horror movie, and I don't think it gets enough credit. Mm-hmm. And mean, now I just mentioned it because we're talking about we're talking about Netflix, and I remember when they put it in the Halloween favorites one year. It irked me. That's the only reason that I brought it up. <laughs> but I should bring it up because it is my favorite horror movie, and we are talking about horror movies. But it's how so that's interesting. I had no idea that. That's interesting because I had no idea that that was your favorite horror movie. Oh my god! Is that you? You've seen it though, right? Yeah, of course. And that, it, honestly, honestly, I have to. I you know, I feel a little bit dirty with the name dropping thing, but. I just realized the only reason I even know you, Phil, is because of AJ. I didn't start following icons until we it, until like he got on Facebook. I mean, he's been all, on and off Facebook for over the years, and came back this year, and he's gone again already. Um, but you know, he took forever to get on Facebook. He got on Facebook, and like I guess he was following the icons page. I was like, ooh, that looks like a cool horror page. So I started following icons because of AJ. <laughs> and then, and then you did the, the the search for writers or whatever, and yes. and that's when that's how I got to know you. Like it's it all goes back to AJ. Um, and I'm getting the feeling that everything in life goes back to AJ. <laughs> in my life, maybe I don't know. Not really, because I don't want, I don't, like 
our lives intersected in fourth in fourth grade, fifth grade for him. Um, but in, in all seriousness, I probably only know Brian because of AJ, because my epic crush on AJ is the reason I chose to go to high school where I did. Like, because mm. I was going to go to a performing arts high school, and then AJ was like, hey, you're going to be in the tuba section next year? And I was like, oh, he talked to me. And so I went to I went to the high school that Brian and I went to, and and uh, the rest is history. He became the, the famous actor. Well, not mm-hmm. famous, semi-famous. Famous in the genre. He's famous-ish. Um, he became a, a, a working actor. That's all that matters, really. Um, yeah. A working actor. He became a working actor, and a very good one. And I am nobody. So <laughs> I was going to go to a performing arts school for acting. And then he's the one who thought he was going to be a professional tuba player. And instead... He's an actor, and neither of us play tuba anymore. <laughs> so. Well, I got to say, because you mentioned icons, that, you know, when I got involved with Mike Cucinata and Rob Galuzzo, there, the guys who were running icons before I came in, um, Rob particularly, and again, not, not anything disparaging, but, you know, those guys were kind of into, hey, let's find the underground guys. Let's find that you know they, they those guys loved horror for years and years like I did, but they were like more they were more along the line of hey what's hot and new and that was what distinguished them from some of the other sites back then. Um, but there was a lot like there was a lot of AJ Bowen worshiping going on on the fright when I came in. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I, I would not, legitimately, I would not doubt that. I'm not going to lie. He's kind of full of himself, but, you know. But that was part of the thing with those guys that, you know, it was, you know, it wasn't so much Mike, but a lot of it was, hey, you know what? And and I think because they were doing interviews with up-and-coming people like, you know, A.J. Bowen and other people along those lines, um, and they'd gone out to Hollywood a couple times and met some of those people that there was a lot of glorifying of AJ Bowen and AJ Bowen types, you know, up and comers. Yeah. So. And I really think that that might be why he was so complimentary of my son. <laughs> and, 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 and he does, he's got an ego, but I like, he's an actor. And I think most actors do have a, a, an ego. I think, I think you kind of have to. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't. I mean, maybe that's why I wasn't cut out for it any longer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, AJ can be full of himself, and it's not surprising if of them because they were so complimentary of him. Um, but they honestly, he's a good actor. He deserves he deserves credit for that. So I mean, he he deserves credit for credit too, and that's one place where it's absolutely due. Well, now the conversation is, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, that's. I'm that's, trying. That, that's I'm trying right. not that's, to. That's... I'm trying to steer it in one direction <laughs> or another, and I'm also trying not to go off on too many tangents. But you know, it's kind of just it's what I do. Brian knows this. He talks to me enough. Yeah, yeah, and the fact of the matter is, it's like if you've listened to some of the other episodes of of uh, this podcast, you'll know I go off on tangents too. Believe me, like it's not just it's not just individ- other people. It's, it's it's me as well, um, but well, well Brian, I, I don't know if you know this, Brian, but you know Heather gave me topics that we were going to talk about tonight, and I don't think we've discussed either one of them so far, have we, Heather? 
<laughs> we kind of t- we've touched on slashers a little bit. I mean, that was the thing that I thought that you guys didn't give any credit to when you when you, like you guys were talking about every other kind of horror pretty much except for slashers. And I'm like, you like Brian was like, I like a good slasher. I'm like, but what do you think makes a good slasher, Brian? And I really was like disappointed that he didn't go there mm-hmm. because that was like, it, uh, what makes a good slasher? Well. You didn't have an answer for that, and I couldn't jump in and be like, because it was already recorded <laughs> when I was listening. Like, like Brian, it's just, it, elaborate, damn it. But I I feel like I have a good idea of what makes a good slasher because I love them and still hate them. Um, yes, and I can tell you what makes a good slasher, too, but I'll let you go first on that. So yeah. what makes a great slasher? Tell me, please. What makes a great slasher? Well, my roommate told me that I that I had to mention um, gratuitous TNA, and I would have said that many years ago that that was part of what makes a, a good slasher a good slasher. I kind of think that you know this is an element that is sort of it it it, it happens to be in most good slashers gratuitous TNA. And when I was a bigger pervert than I am today, I'm still a huge perv, but not as much as I was when I was younger. Um, so. Like, I don't appreciate the gratuitous TNA now as a more mature, like, less perverted person. Um, but when I was younger, that would be would have been part of my answer. I think what makes a good slasher a good slasher is, like, creative kills. That, mm-hmm. to me, is the bottom line. Creative kills. That's why the, the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is my favorite franchise easily. Because that was, like, the perfect premise for, like, an infinite number of movies because some like sad they didn't make an infinite number of Elm Street movies because the premise like was wide open for that. Mm -hmm. Freddy kills people in their dreams and people's dreams can be all kinds of crazy shit. And so, and Freddy's already dead. He's already dead. Like, like like Brian was saying about Jason, like like he's the unkillable killer. It's like, well, Freddy is definitely the unkillable killer because he was already dead and killing you in your dreams. Mm-hmm. Like, this premise is perfect for just going on forever. As long as you can be creative with it, it can go on indefinitely. And it's disappointing that it didn't, that the creativity kind of died. Um, and now it's probably completely gone with Wes Craven being gone. But Because yeah. uh, I think, I thought they were working on a new movie with Robert England back as Freddy and then Wes Craven died right after I read about that. And so I think that's still happening and all. Um, but that premise is perfect because mm-hmm. the kills could be as creative as the writers could be. And creative kills make a good splasher. And not to, not to drop the same name again, but one of the best kills in a splasher was, AJ's death in Hatchet 2. I, I would Hatchet, definitely agree with that. Movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Brian and I saw it together in the theater. His death was fantastic. It was kind of predictable, but it was done so well. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to blow up for anybody who hasn't seen it. But yeah, that, that death scene was, was awesome because it was hilarious. And it was kind of predictable, but not entirely predictable. And the Hatchet movies are not as good as, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're, 
the two that Brian and I watched together, we saw the second one in the theater together. We, before watch before seeing that one, we we what we rented or Netflix or whatever the first one. Yeah, we and, Netflix um, the first one. So, yeah, and yeah. that the first one was the first one wasn't bad. So seeing the mm-hmm. second one was, I mean, we we saw it because yeah, because of AJ, and and the second one was better in a lot of ways. I could not get my eyes off of Danielle Harris's eyebrow though. Um, that eyebrow drove me insane. Um, see, <laughs> the Botox was strong with that one. Um, but the the kills in Hatchet 2 were good. I never saw Hatchet 3 because I didn't see any point because it kind of felt like Hatchet 2 killed the, like, it kind of killed the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Momentum. Yeah, I, I almost said momentum, but it was like there just wasn't. I didn't. You didn't it, need. No. You didn't need anything after that. It was kind of complete. Right. It's like what it, you it need to do like with the character. Like it is yeah, exactly. more story. They used they used Perry Shen a second time as his own twin brother from the like from the first movie to the second movie. And it's like well, and then they killed him in the second movie. So what are you gonna do? Like you kill off all the main characters except for heroin and you kind of, you kill the, the killer or so it seems, but you, it was pretty convincing. It was pretty convincing and he wasn't like supernatural and he wasn't doing, it was, it, that was, that, God, I can't remember the name of the, what is the name of the orphan hatchet? Oh. Vicky Crowley. Yeah. Yeah. What, Vicky Crowley. Vicky Crowley, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. But they, there was nothing that special about him as a, as a slasher killer. I mean, they seemed very forced, the backstory on him. Um, but the kills were pretty creative up to a point, and the story the story just felt like it was over at the end of the second movie. So I saw no whatsoever seeing the third. Um, and I think they stopped there. Yeah, and I... Probably because they knew that they were out of ideas. <laughs> how, how are they going to bring back Terry Shen again? Uh, they can't. <laughs> but he was a great part of the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know him personally, but I like him too. He's on General <laughs> Hospital, <laughs> so um, I like Perry Shedd, Okay. Okay, now. I'll drop it okay. because that is that a one to all be about AJ Bowen. I'm dropping Perry Shedd, <laughs> and I don't know him personally. <laughs> I like him as an actor. He's very good. Well, I, think... I don't know if he's a worthy, but. Well, and I think yes. I to to Heather's point as far as what makes a good slasher, I do think creative kills obviously plays a big part of it. I think to a certain extent, you do have to look at story. I mean, I think that's part of the reason uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies that most people consider the best ones are far and away the best ones in that franchise and some of the best slasher movies of all time because of the fact that they're kind of ingenious story-wise, too. I mean, certainly... Yeah. Go ahead. I was agreeing with you. Okay. Believe it or not, I wasn't going to start talking, like, a lot again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh... I agreeing with you. All right. Um, and, uh, one of the... And 
you know, I, going to Hatchet to a little bit. I know one of the reasons I was curious to watch Hatchet at the time was because of the fact that uh, Kane Hodder, who played Victor Crowley, and who played Jason in, uh, I think seven, eight, and nine as far as the Friday Thirteenth movies. I thought he started. And Jason X. That's the one that I watched with you. Yeah. And Jason X. That's right. He, that's right. It wasn't Jason X. I couldn't remember whether he was or not. Yeah. Um, and then was somebody else in uh, Frey versus Jason. So. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it was funny watching Frey versus Jason a couple of days ago for the first time in a while. Uh, I'm like, does does this work? Is it, I, I like the way they did. I thought they did a good job as far as saying that story up as far as the fact that it's a Jason in a Friday in Nightmare movie as opposed to the other way around. And I I thought that was... I always enjoyed that aspect of the movie, but it's like, should I care about the characters that are getting killed here? It's like, no, not really. I mean, it helps to have characters. I mean, I think the first two, or at least the second Friday the 13th, uh, has has some of the cannon fodder for Jason that is that that are interesting characters. And, you know, it's like what what could argue about uh like Tommy Jarvis from four through six of Friday thirteenth and that kind of absurd arc that they decided they need a somebody a they need a counterpoint to Jason. It's like, oh, let's have a sustained hero for three movies. The first two of which are ironically the final chapter in a new beginning. <laughs> but um <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's do the but and I still I do want to see those three episodes again. Uh I do need to see those three movies again uh together this this coming month because it has been a while since I've seen them. But uh, first three being what again? I uh, Friday the first three Friday thirteenth. Friday thirteenth, oh, okay. uh, four through I six. I zoned out. I honestly, sorry, I zoned out. We started talking about Friday thirteenth because I'm like, I know nothing besides <laughs> a couple that I've seen that basically should have could have been the same exact movie, and then <laughs> Freddy versus Jason, which I support. So I zoned out. <laughs> sorry. Oh, that's 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 okay to to each their own. I mean, you know, especially if you're more of a Freddy person than than a Jason person. I mean, I I kind of get it. Yeah, I I kind of get why. I don't get the obsession with Jason. I assume I have so many people obsessed with Jason and Friday the Thirteenth, and I'm like, why? All the movies are the same. And like except for the first first one, I wanted. I haven't seen the first one probably because. All I had seen of the of of the sequels, like I guess the first one. What year did that come out? I cannot remember. Nineteen eighty. Yeah, exactly. I was like really like barely alive. I was yeah. like a year and a half old. Um, it's you know it's like I was too young to have seen it when it came out. And then by the time the sequels were coming out, they were all the fucking same. And so I didn't know that. And, until I was an adult, the backstory on Jason and what the first movie was actually about and the fact mm-hmm. that his mother was the killer in the first movie. I'm yeah. like, okay, I need to see the first one at some point. But it hasn't been a priority. It's because what little I have seen of the Friday the Tank movies, it's just all the same. I tried to watch Jason X because I was like, ooh, Jason is funny. 
this is going to be cool. And I like, I couldn't, I watched, I don't even know how much I watched of it. I had no attention span for it at all. I was so bored. Yeah, um, that was the that was the first new Friday Thirteenth movie I'd seen in like fifteen years when I saw it, and I'm like, oh my god, this is so stupid. <laughs> it's like it's 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 alien. It's an alien movie with Jason as the killer. And I think that that, that, that I think that one of the reasons I was drawn to Jason X or is that what it's called? Yeah. 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 So I mean, I, I always think of it as Jason in space. So, I mean, like, literally, that's what my brain thinks it's called, except mm-hmm. I go, no, that's not the actual title. Um, but one of the reasons I was drawn to it was because it was, like, Jason and Space, and I do like, I like a good slasher, which is all about the creative kills, and, oh, he's, Jason, how did Jason get to space? And Jason is killing people in space. Is he killing teenagers in space? How did teenagers get to space? And I'm like, I'm curious about these elements. Like, how creative are they going to get, and how are they going to do it? And then I watched a little, I tried watching it, I just couldn't. It was so, it was just so boring to me. And it bugs me a lot that I do like Splashers for that reason, that creative kill thing. Mm-hmm. And that movie had, like, the premise, it seemed like it had potential for that. But then it went, to me, it went nowhere, but, like, at least fast enough for me to just zone out and not pay attention and finish it. Yeah. I don't know how it started. I don't know how it ended. I can't remember much of anything. I just remember being bored. So mm-hmm. I don't understand the obsession with Jason. I will never understand the obsession with Jason. I know I know more people obsessed with Jason than anybody obsessed with Freddy Krueger, and that is weird to me. Yeah. Like, but Fred, Freddy's so much more interesting. Now, Freddy, Freddy's origin is pretty fucked up, mm-hmm. but... You know, take away the whole, like, what child molesting shit. Okay. Let's just pretend that that didn't happen. Everything else about him in those movies is likable, and you kind of root for him because he's creative. <laughs> because he's like, he's, he's like, I'm going to kill this person this way because this is the fun, interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't okay. like to see the characters get killed, but I mean, some of them. But the way they get killed is fun. Mm hmm. Okay, let me chime in on this now as far as slash. Okay? If you will indulge me for a minute or two, I'm going to go way, way back. Um, Back in, say, 1981 or 2, or around this time, the second Friday, it must have been all past Friday, 13th, 2 coming out. um, I had all the cousins, and we go over there every Saturday. and my mom's sister, you know, she'd hang out with all day, and we'd hang out with cousins. And then at night, this is around the time that HBO really started to become popular and, and cable yeah. and all that stuff. Um, and they'd watch horror movies on HBO at night. You know, Saturday night come along, and then I remember one time they put on HBO on Friday the 13th came on, and Friday the 13th too followed it, and I remember hiding behind the couch for most of it. Um, peeking through and being scared the hell out of me. Now, granted, I was like 10, probably 10 years old, and I, as I told Brian last time, and I said the nose, I'm a sensitive guy, and I was a sensitive kid. So, the capper of this is, behind my house when I was a kid, there was an acre and a half of woods. Oh, so, man. my mom would come home, we'd, we'd come home, it'd be like 12.31 in the morning, and I'd step out of the car and look behind the house and think that Jason was going to come and get us. <laughs> so, so, 
I, for a long time, actually thought that those were good movies. I mean, they don't scare me now. I've revisited them, you know, and then they don't have any real scare effect on me now. But yeah. back when I was a kid in that primal stage, I was some skin after those flicks. Mm-hmm. And then, being narcoleptic, you can understand why I might be scared to death of the Freddy movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I get what you're saying. Like, I, yes. like, I was scared to death of, the, of Freddy as a kid because I have narcolepsy. I didn't know at the time that that was my problem. But, you know, I dreamed a lot. And I'm like, Freddy's going to fucking kill me. So I get it. And you you feel it on a personal level because even though it's it's just a horror flick on one level, you know you have a personal thing with it because I had woods behind my house and you had you know sleep full sleep right? Can't yeah, sleep. and I have lots of vivid dreams. You know you can't escape sleep, and I couldn't make my parents move. You know, so right. that was what it was. Um, then. I started to get older, and my taste started to change, and I started to watch horror that was a little more um, cerebral, a little less, you know, stalk and slash type stuff. And as I grew, you know, I physically grew quite a bit. Now, I'm about six foot one now, and I round out at about 240 pounds. I'm like, wait, even now, I'm still about 240 pounds. I'm pretty packed with, you know, muscle. And the thing is, I just think that, for the most part, I could take more slashes out of the attack. <laughs> I, I was literally going to say that. I just was waiting for you to say it. Yes, yeah, exactly. I <laughs> you know, I just, I just wrote a review. I just wrote a review of uh, Cult of Chucky a week ago or two. Yeah. And my That's thing good. with Chucky, my thing with Chucky is that, you know, if a, if a fucking eighteen inch tall tall dog comes to me, I'm gonna pump him into a thousand pieces. He's gonna end up in pieces. I'm not, I don't care if he's got a knife in his hand or not, you know. Um, so, and then the thing with the slashes is like that whole thing in the glut of the '80s. They all became the same, and then yeah. fortunately, fortunately, Nightmare on Elm came out and changed that. But it was a bunch of summer camps and mental institutions and schools, high schools, and you know, colleges and all that type of stuff. And it was the same thing over and over again, you know. Whereas the stuff like, like I talked to Brian about how I love the Omen and the Thing and the Fly. Those are some of my favorite horror movies. And, you know, there's something more beyond just sticking a knife in something at that point. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I will agree with you two on three points. I think three things make a great slasher. I think that heavier right creativity is one with the kills because, you know, if you're going to do something like that, you better make them fantastic. Which is part of the reason I don't understand why everybody loves the first Friday the 13th flick, because I think four of those kills happen either off screen or below the screen, so you can't even see people getting stabbed or slashed. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at Pamela Voorhees when she gets decapitated, you can see the toothpicks that the phony head was stuck on the body. <laughs> I mean, everyone goes nuts about Serini's work on that. I think he's done far better stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, it's a lot of, I know you get an arrow here and you get something there, but a lot of it is just the same stuff, um, you know, and that's like, but again, creativity is big. Now, my part of the problem with the Elm Street flicks, and I can appreciate the first few, well, not the second one so much because it's not really a, a Freddy flick. The second one is laughable, but yeah. Because the second one's not really, well, we'll talk about that some other time. But the thing is <laughs> that once you get into part four and he's picking souls off a of pizza, you know, then for me, you've gone too far. You know, when he's turning people into cockroaches in, in roach motels, that's oh, not God, that really fun. Favorite. 
<laughs> that's that's really not the flick for me at that point. I love that scene. It's disgusting. Oh because, my God, it's so well, you hate bugs, so of course. You eat bugs, of course, so you, you love that scene. <laughs> I don't hate, I, well, I don't, I guess I do hate bugs. I mean, yes. I hate that. <laughs> I, as a vegan, I feel really bad admitting how much I hate bugs, but yeah. No, that scene to me, like, when I saw it the first time, I was like, it was so awesome. That's, like, now it disgusts me, but I still think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. God, no, I, four was my favorite for the longest time. Four was my favorite. And four is, so four is, you know, I find plenty of fans. I find plenty of fans who love part four. They go nuts for it. And, you know, that's... And I used see, to, until I got older and appreciated three. For what, for like what it is, it, like Dream Warriors is clearly the best of that franchise. But I, when I was younger, I liked four better because it was so ridiculous. Um, but that's part of the things. problem with that's part of my problem with Freddy Krueger. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine when Nightmare on Elm Street first came. They had a crappy DVD with no special features, but then they put out a new one. Put out like an Cinephone version or something. And one of my said, "Oh yeah, I just I just picked it up." I'm like, "Oh, Freddy, Freddy's a fucking clown. It sells it out in the pants." <laughs> and he's like, "No, no, no, he's not, Phil. You got to go back and watch it because in the first one, he, it's not like that at all. Like, he's actually really scary." And then I went back right. and watched the first one, and he's really scary. Now, when I get to right. the fourth one, and it's, you know, he's cracking jokes half the time. And then you go beyond that. Like, when you get to the sixth one, Freddy's Dead, it, it's pure parody, where he's playing a video game to kill somebody, and he's just sitting there. And it's, it's like, you know, I'm much more I'm much more afraid of someone who's going to come at me and say nothing and have, you know, a blank... You know, I can fill in anything as a face than, hey, welcome to primetime, bitch, and shoving somebody's head to a television. So that's, that's just me. That's personal. But, you know, we all have our likes and dislikes, and, you know, this is why I'm not a huge slasher fan. But getting back to what Brian was saying now, character is important, you know? I think that mm-hmm. the best, like, one of my favorite slashes is Hell Knight. I don't know if either one of you have seen that. It's got Linda Blair, and it's got um, Peter Barton from Friday the 13th Part 4. Yeah, the fourth one. I've heard of it, but I also know I haven't seen it. Because Hell Knight's a lot of fun, and the characters, you know, I'm with them for a while, and I invested them in them, and that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Friday, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th is a per. You could take the characters, if you take out the final girls, you could take most of the characters and just switch them from movie to movie. It wouldn't make a difference, because they're just oh, snipers. Yeah. That, they're, coming, they're coming straight out of the generic stereotype generator. Know, just crank it up and pop them out. There's nothing, there's no substance to any of them. You know, so I agree with that. And, you know, I think that part of the reason that Freddy is popular and part of the reason I like the few Freddy flicks that I like is because, you know, it's the third thing that neither one of you mentioned is, it's, and Heather, you kind of alluded to it, is, you know, it's the serial, it's the killer in it, the splasher himself. So if he's, you know, he's got like Michael Myers in the Friday, in the Halloween flicks, rather. You know, I, I can kind of get into those because he's a guy who's supposed to be the face of all evil and he's got the creepy backstory and all that, you know? You know, why would a kid go and murder his family and all that? And that I can kind of get into. Um, and again, you know, the problem with any of the slasher franchises is that the further they get, the more ridiculous they get. So by the time, Brian, that you hit Friday the 13th, Jason X, as you would say, Jason in space, as Heather loves to call it, um, <laughs> at that point... Jason has been defeated by a carry knockoff. He's gone to Manhattan on a cruise ship. He's been melted by toxic waste. He's been dragged down to hell and sent into space. 
But the funny thing is, if you watch those movies, even the later ones, they're still the same shit. Mm-hmm. So it's still it's still him stalking and slashing, and there's no there's no difference. In fact, I, I love to tell people that the greatest character development that Jason has is part six because he goes from being a mongoloid to a zombie at that point. Yeah. And that's, that's character development as far as Jason Voorhees goes. I think Brian and I had that conversation when we, but that's one of the ones we watched together, right, Brian? I, I feel like this conversation it, is, this conversation no, was, feels like deja vu because I think uh, you and I talked about it. I think it was seven, but six certainly probably came up into the conversation because that yeah, is that's one of my possible. favorite ones. And yeah, I just remember, I remember the, 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 Whichever one it was with the sleeping bag being pounded against the tree. That's seven. That that's, okay. That's well, part seven. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now I know. Yeah. But it tells you how much they all blend together to me. What oh, little yeah. I've seen. All except for his face. Well, okay, I can kind of, I can kind of pick her one scene from that <laughs> movie because it was in space. It was different, slightly different. I remember sleeping bag movie and space shit in another. But you want to talk about the sleeping bag? The, Jason actually three movies after that, and they replicate the sleeping bag incident in that, I, and they make yeah, a joke I, out of it. But still, it's the same I, thing. It's over and over. <laughs> yeah, I actually was reading somebody and posted something like, and like one of the horror groups I'm um, in on Facebook. Somebody was talking about that, and I was because I didn't watch the whole damn movie. I was like, oh. I missed that. <laughs> so like, yeah, you were talking about it. Like, okay, oh, yeah, that's right. I heard some, I wrote, I read somebody talking about it recently. Um, yeah, I can't, those movies, I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. You know, I don't, I, 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 I lose respect for people when I find out that they're huge. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. Now I know where we're at. <laughs> You do you. <laughs> like, I try not to judge people on something like that. Because I kind of, in the mm-hmm. back of my mind, I'm always judging when someone, when someone tells me that they're like a huge Friday the 13th fan. So, my cousin being one of them. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> judge him for it. And then now, the question is, now, the question is, if they made a Friday the 13th movie with A.J. Bowen in it, would you be a fan? Probably not. I would watch it just out of curiosity. <laughs> I, I shat on House of the Devil, and AJ's in that. And AJ's That's true. Of that. Yeah. I mean, true. I, I, this is the first time I have openly shat on House of the Devil. And it's going to go, uh, you know, I just want to put that up on the interweb, and it'll be there for AJ to hear. I don't know if he will, but it's there. And I'm putting it out there publicly that I hate that movie. <laughs> I really, really do. Um, but. You know, it's, I would see anything that AJ's in just out of curiosity and out of, to support him. Um, but I'm not going to lie and say that something's good when it's not. Yeah. That's why I've just been about House of the Devil. I just haven't talked about it with many people because I'm like, I'm just going to pretend like I didn't see that one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll talk about the ones I like and just <laughs> shut up about the ones that are bad. And then, like, what was that one? It was like a Jim Jones kind of story. What was the name of that one? Oh, it was Sacrament, right? Sacrament, yeah. Sacrament, uh, that's right. I didn't see that one, but I heard it was terrible. And I'm like, oh, I want to see it. Cause yeah, it, 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 it wasn't but as... But I heard it's terrible. I don't know if I want to sit through it. Yeah, so, I mean, especially... I want to see it a bit, but I'm not, but, like... 
chomping at the bit to do so. Well, yeah, I mean, especially because of the fact that Sacramento is also found footage. And it's like, depending on your mileage you get out of that premise, which that one I don't think got much out of it. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't yeah, that terribly later. impressed by it. So, yeah. yeah I, I, haven't, was, I haven't really seen or heard much good about that movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't hate it as much as other people did, but I also didn't, wouldn't say, go out of your way and see it. The I mean, especially premise if alone, The premise alone tells me I would probably like it more than House of the Devil, because, mm-hmm. I mean, because Jim Jones... Like, I'm fascinated by the whole Jim Jones thing. Like, any documentary on Jim Jones, I will watch it because I'm fascinated because I think I was married to a Jim Jones type one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about seven years ago. Uh, so, like, I think I was, I think my ex husband is kind of a Jim Jones type. So, I'm kind of fascinated by Jim Jones and the whole phenomenon there. Mm-hmm. Like, just, so yeah, I'll watch any documentary about that. So, and the premise is kind of like that type of a premise that cult leader kind of a thing. It's inter- it's going to be interesting to me in some way, but yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm not jumping at it because I've heard that it's not very good. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and found footage is one of those things where it's like, there's, so, I've seen, I've seen a lot of found footage movies. So few of them have really been effective and good. Blair Witch was effective the first time around. Oh, yeah. Like, you see that once, and then you find out that, like, you see that movie once, and you believe that it's found footage, and then, like, you find out that it's not real. Or if you see it after you already know it's not real. It, but one time through, and that's it. Like, I saw that movie in the theater with my ex-husband, um, and it, like, <laughs> and that was the only time I needed to see it. I don't, like, I saw a movie, I liked it, but I've never gone back to watch it again, because it was... It was done effectively, but not. It's not the kind of movie to rewatch over and over. And See, I do really. I See, I I do really like Blair Witch Project, and it's like I, I I've gone back and watched I, I, it over I, the I years liked and it, stuff but I like that. Watch it once. I I think I think it holds up in multiple viewings, even after. Because I mean, by the time it came out, I mean, I basically already knew. It's like, oh well, it's not actually. Uh, oh, this didn't actually happen. I mean, that was just a marketing hook. I basically knew that going in. But, and and part of it, I'll admit, part of the reason it had such an impact on me to begin with was I saw it at the Terra in Buckhead, like the day, Monday after opening weekend, where that was the only theater was showing it. I was in like the fifth row from the front watching that movie. And that was that was just absolutely crazy, and I mean that had that definitely had a pretty big impact on me watching it. But I I do think the first one holds up. Now the second one is dog shit. Uh, I don't. They do the second one. Book of Shadows. It's terrible. I I finally watched it oh, a few oh, years okay. ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. When you say when you say the the, the full title or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm, remember vaguely yeah. that title, but I never saw it. Yeah. Don't don't bother. It's it it was awful. I wasn't going I finally, to. I finally, I finally watched it a few years ago, and it was terrible. I I just hated it. It was so stupid. And then because I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's. I fine. was just gonna say because I saw Blair Witch like when it like literally I think like opening weekend came out, 
Yeah. I, I got you both trumped on this one. I got you both trumped on this one because I saw it at the Angelica in a sneak preview before it came out. And the two directors, the two directors were actually at streaming. <laughs> and they were signing free posters, which my friend Dave got signed, but I decided not to. I wasn't doing the autograph thing at the time. That was just bad. And had I... I probably could have made a fortune off that poster with the way that money went. Oh, <laughs> that, man. that film went. Yeah. Um, and now, I, as far as I go, I am not a found footage guy at all. I think that they're derivative and it's limiting. And that one works for me at first, and it doesn't hold up for me so much anymore because right. it's basically three whiny kids in the woods. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that's, what I, that's what I was saying. But I'm, I was just saying that because I thought that's the only time I've seen it, maybe watching it again now, so many years removed. Maybe it. I would still appreciate it. Yeah. I don't know. The point that mm-hmm. was the point I was about to say. Not trying to say I thought opening weekend. No. <laughs> well, uh, I wasn't where I was going with that, Phil. I was trying to. Ask well, no, no, no. I'm just. You know, I'm taking. I'm. I'm. I'm using my bragging rights now. <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't have bragging rights. What? Because I. Because I know one guy who is a working actor. I don't. I know other working actors. We live in Yollywood. <laughs> in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I know working actors and it doesn't impress me anymore. Um, it kind of upsets me that AJ moved out to LA. Like, why did you stay here? Like, you could have stayed here. I didn't I honestly never saw it coming that Atlanta would boom in the film industry. Yeah. I'm I might stayed in acting myself had I thought that was ever gonna happen. But I was like, I couldn't make it in LA or New York. Forget it. And so I changed my whole like life plan. And yeah, I gave up acting, and then I moved back to Atlanta, and it's got this booming film industry, and it just it caught me completely off guard. But yeah, AJ moved out to LA, did the whole LA thing, and he's an LA guy now. But I know working actors here; it doesn't impress me anymore. Like <laughs> most of the working actors I know, they're like struggling to scrape by, like Joey on Friends. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's. It does. It's like AJ was. It was sort of like awesome when AJ was sort of famous-ish, and mm. then like now it's not a big deal because he's still only sort of famous-ish. <laughs> he's he's kind of famous in the, the the horror genre, and yeah, that's not that's not a bragging right. Just because I know him, he doesn't he doesn't acknowledge my existence really. <laughs> Every now and then he does, but you know. Hey, look, I never got to play the tuba alongside A.J. Bowen. You can brag about that. I can. <laughs> I can. I can brag about that. That is true. <laughs> I didn't get to sit next to him in symphonic band, though. It was never that good. He was out. He had graduated before I made the top band. Mm-hmm. So. But he was a dick to me, man. That's not a bragging, right? He was a dick to me. He was, it was a love-hate relationship all through high school. In <laughs> In, in private, he was nice to me. In front of anybody else, total fucking dick. Total dick. And I've, I've got plenty of people who will back me up on that because they were part of him being a dick to me. In the tuba mm-hmm. section, I was the girl. I got picked on a lot. And it kind of started from the top with AJ. So, yeah, that's not bragging right. That's <laughs> like a, I'm like, fuck him, man. Why do I care about his career? Oh, because... Because it was the love, it was the love hate relationship. It's the love part of the relationship. And I'm like, ah, he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. We were friends in private. He was nice to me in private when there weren't other people around. He was a dick to me. 
but I still care about him. And he's talented, so I support him. If he wasn't talented, I definitely wouldn't say shit. Yeah. At least you can be honest about that. That's good. Mm-hmm. All right, so we covered Slashers. Yeah. Happy yeah. And and we have we covered Slashers? I, 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 I think we have. I we we've Yeah, we've, you guys think we have. We, I feel we've like made a lot I feel like there is points on it. A topic, but Well and it's funny, it's sort of you know, it's like talking about with with you, uh, Heather, sort of why you know, the nightmare movies have an effect on you and Phil, why Friday thirteenth at the time sort of had an effect on you. It's funny because of the fact that it's like I was in Scout, so I did a lot of camping. And for some reason, it's like I don't remember, like really ever thinking that. Oh man, I better not be doing this, or like Jason's gonna like pop out and stuff like that. And I never really had that sort of putting those two things together. Probably because when I was in Scouts, I wasn't really watching horror. Now I will say when I was in when we had projection at the movie theater and that's the projection booths a dark can be a dark place. That was sort of when I was in projection, that's when I started watching horror movies again. And when I sort of start on a regular basis and especially a regular basis in October. And I think that's when my taste as far as the type of horror really started to solidify myself. So I would so if I'm like alone in the building on my own at late at night or early in the morning or upstairs, it's like deep down I know nothing is actually up there. But at the same time, you have those. Yeah, I I certainly have had those moments where it's like I'm hoping nothing's actually up here, and it can be a bit <laughs> creepy there. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, now I now I have no problem like making making videos of me in like a dark, empty movie theater, like listening to movie soundtrack horror movie soundtracks and stuff like that while I'm working. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I think I are there are, are there any horror movies that like are set in that kind of a in that kind of a creepy setting of the of a projection booth. Are there movies that exist like that? Because oh, that I, sounds like I, a good I don't that necessarily like, a good, like place to to set a horror movie now that you're talking about it. Yeah, I mean it would be it would be an interesting place to set a horror movie. I mean you wouldn't have, I imagine you wouldn't be have able to jump scares though. Yeah, I mean you wouldn't necessarily be able to set an entire movie there. I mean but I mean I think, you know, going to uh going to my favorite horror movie, The Shining, one of the big things that works for people about The Shining is the the vastness and the emptiness of the Overlook Hotel when, you know, that family is in there and the fact that they are isolated and the fact that it's just them and yet there's this other thing in that hotel and it's it's... I think it's the sense of because uh, if you're the only person in like a movie theater, it's like it can be a bit unnerving, and there's a lot of like little mm-hmm. nooks and crannies and stuff like that that people could hide in, and you know people could jump out at you in, and so I think that's part of where that's 
part of where you know I put those two things together. But no, I don't think there's anything. I mean, I'm sure there have been like I, scenes in movie theaters and stuff like that. But I yeah. find movie theaters scary and creepy, just like as an audience member, because it's dark even when the lights are up, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid of what I'm going to sit in. Um, <laughs> and I know people do disgusting things in movie theaters sometimes. So I'm like, <laughs> it's like it's I'm really disgusted. Like I try to check that at the door when I go to see a movie in the theater. Yeah. Because I'm always creeped out and kind of a little bit terrified of what the fuck I'm going to sit in or mm-hmm. put my hand in or touch or whatever. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the bad thing about movie theaters. I don't trust, like, I don't trust that they're getting cleaned properly, et cetera. No offense to your, um, oh no, your, uh, no, Brian, it's, yeah. I mean, I think we've had this discussion that's my problem before. With movie so. theaters and why I find it scary. <laughs> I find the potential bodily fluids in the seat um, scary. And the, you know, going as what kind of like, I mean, snacks, obviously a little bit scary. Yeah. Um, so it's not space. The scariest, one of the scariest things about that movie to me was the popcorn. So um, popcorn being left behind in the seat in the movie theater. <laughs> kind of bring me back to that movie. And I, which gave me nightmares until adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mm-hmm, that makes it feel like you're pathetic. I know. Till it's not so much space gave me nightmares until I was an adult. And it was the popcorn. It was the po- it was the cotton candy and the popcorn. But popcorn is something that is eaten in movie theaters, obviously. Cotton candy, not so much. I don't like calling mm-hmm. like. Curls of popcorn coming at me as a theater. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to make a joke here, and it's <laughs> it's going flat. Thanks. No, I just find it amazing the different things that terrify different people in life. Mm-hmm. Well, if you see if you see the popcorn coming to life in Sir Charles Mouse Days, that's a and when you see that as a kid, like that's like okay, that's fucking. Freaky and terrifying, and you add the narcolepsy and like the vivid dreams I have. I have, you know, I haven't had these nightmares in a long time, thank God. But I had those those nightmares well into adulthood about that movie. It was the cotton candy cocoon and the fucking popcorn. It wasn't the clowns scare me. They were cool. I liked the clowns. It goes on from our state, and I don't like clowns at all for any reason but th- those clowns didn't look like humans in any way mm-hmm. and so they didn't scare me but the popcorn did <laughs> the popcorn scared me it came to life and popcorn isn't supposed to do that Killer Clown is one of those movies for me where it depends on what women sometimes I watch it and I'm like wow it's a really funny flick and sometimes I watch it and I'm like wow there's some really sinister shit going on here and this is pretty creepy <laughs> So, yes, so, I, that's all I can say to that is yes, absolutely, that is exactly right. <laughs> okay, so talking talking about popcorn, so have Heather, have you ever seen Troll Two? No, but I want to. Oh my god, I think I think I think Alex downloaded that too. I think he did. Look, okay. all the bad movies he downloaded. 
downloaded. I think that was included because we, he and I both want to see it because it's terrible. Yeah, and I think I think as a vegan, you will appreciate it to a certain degree. That's like poultry guys. <laughs> but as vegan, I appreciate it to a degree. <laughs> well, I don't I, know if I'm supposed to, but I like I kind of do, and I kind of don't. Well, I mean, and, and the reason still understand. Still, it's the reason I saw that movie. Yes. Well, and the reason I say to degree is because of the fact that it's completely absurd. It's completely, it it's it's not scary. It's it's just so bad it's funny, and it is genuinely so bad it's funny. Uh, Good. Yeah. Because I that's exactly <laughs> the kind of movies I love to watch. Ones that are that kind of they're so bad they're funny, mm-hmm. but. Speaking of and funny horror, and like you mentioned appreciating a movie because of vegan, and we're talking about horror movies, and my first thought was Poultry Guys. <laughs> I have conflicting feelings about that movie. <laughs> and I, I have very, very conflicting feelings about that movie. I bought it because I enjoyed it the first time watching it for free on YouTube. And then... And then, I like, the when I watched it at home, like, on the, my bigger screen not just on youtube i was like i don't know if i i don't know if i feel good about this person um <laughs> like i feel I, like i'm very conflicted about about a lot of elements of that movie but it's it's disgusting and it's funny and it's got gratuitous tna and it's trauma and I understand. I mean, that's all those things are part of trauma film. Um, but yeah, that movie is messed up, and I, 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 I kind of love it, and I kind of feel bad about liking it at all. I will tell you who does love it, Lloyd Kaufman, because that's his favorite film that he's made. Is it his favorite? It is absolutely. I've had him say that to me a couple times. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I guess that's a good one for me to be interested. That was my introduction to trauma, so I guess that's just different than it feels fitting that that was my introduction to trauma film. And, and then you graduated I up know. to Dumpster Baby. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> so my, see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name drop it somebody else who is, a, is not a big fucking star or in any genre at all. Um, she's a massage therapist. Um, L.P. Pavlik is Kika, Dumpster Baby's mama, in Dumpster Baby, and she's my friend. And that's why I saw that movie, because because she's in it. And I'm like, you're in a movie that has a title like Dumpster Baby. I have to see this. Just the title is like, I have to see this, but now I've got a friend who's in it. Now I, now I really have to see it. And she called it the worst movie ever made. Somebody else was like, no, it's the second worst movie ever made. I'm like, and I went and I saw it, and I'm like, this is fascinating. I don't know how else to describe it, because it's not a good movie. Mm-hmm. But maybe it is. I'm, it's like, it's, there's something weird about it that it makes me think, this is either a brilliant art film, or it is just random shit. It's just, I don't know. It's one or the other. I can't figure it out. It's somewhere in between brilliant art film or just random shit. 
And I really dig it for that reason because it makes talk about cerebral movies. To me, that's a cerebral movie, and it maybe it's not supposed to be, but it makes me think. Because I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, is this supposed to be deep, or is it just random shit that's messing with my head, making me think it's deep? It's it's very bizarre. It's not by the title. I expect it to be something else altogether, but. And it's not so. It's not like from the title, you expect it to be something else mm-hmm. than it what, and then what it actually is. But that alone makes it interesting to me. Like I was expecting, especially knowing it was trauma, and with that title, I was like, I was expecting something co- closer to Poltergeist with some baby border of a dumpster with like radioactive shit or something. But it was nothing like that at all. It was just really fucking weird, and I, I like I've watched it like three times at least now, probably probably four, because I keep I keep watching it like on LP's birthday. I'm like I'm gonna because I'm still wants me to write a review of it because he doesn't want to watch it, um, and <laughs> and, uh, and and I've and I've sat for a few times now. And I keep thinking, like, I should, I should finally give Phil that review he wants, and like, and get, like, it'll be like a kind of a birthday gift for LP. I'll watch it on her birthday every year, and I like, I'll finally do this review for Phil. And I, I have done the review because I'm a slacker. Um, but I've watched it on LP's birthday for the past couple years, and it's like, it's just, it's, it's a mind kind of movie, and I, I love that about it but I don't know if it was meant to be like that. I don't know if it was a happy accident for people like me or if it was just something, just an experimental nothing. I don't really know. I mean, and I can't, I, I can't really say much about it because I think it's one of the re- reasons it's hard to review too. It's like, it just, it goes in so many different directions and a lot of people can't get all the way through it. And that the first time through it, I wasn't sure I would make it through. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the end, and I'm like, oh, I gotta rewatch that, to figure out what the fuck I just watched. And like, I'm literally that was literally my thought at the end of the first time through it. I was like, I have to watch it again just to figure out what the fuck I just finished watching. <laughs> so, it's it's dumpster baby is just. I don't, I don't have, I don't have the words, and I think that's why I also don't have the review. I call myself a slacker, which is part of it, but also I don't have the words because it's, and especially without spoilers. I mean, to I don't know how to review that movie without spoilers because it just takes so many freaking turns. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. You gotta see it, Brian. I, I, I have it. I have a copy of it. LP signed it for me for my birthday last year. <laughs> he autographed it. And like it was it was like a joke kind of gift from my roommate. And so we got to satisfy both of the things you put before me. You said we needed to talk slashes and we needed to talk trauma style movies together. So we got to both yeah, of those. Quiet, so I well, you know, I'm a trauma fan, and I'm a trauma fan for, you know, some odd reasons. Um, well, what are those reasons, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
as you mentioned before, that was part of it when I was younger, yes, and trauma is into boobs. As a matter of fact, on a bunch of the DVDs, which I have, they have what they call the trauma intelligence test, which if you make the acronym out of that is TIT. Um, yes, so, so that's where trauma's at. Um, so that was certainly part of it. And, you know, trauma is obviously into extremism. Uh, but I also think that Lloyd Kaufman, who I've put into Death Ensemble's Hell of Fame, is mm-hmm. a mad genius um, on some levels. Uh, because it's not just about, I mean, it is about the tits and the gore and all that. But, you know, he's making comments. He's making comments about, you know, society in every one of his movies that he writes and directs. Um, and again, it's not deep stuff by any means. But, you know, you look at Toxic Avenger, let's say, and you're talking about um, there's the gym culture that he's attacking at that point, and there's the whole toxic waste and nuclear stuff from the 80s that's in there. Poultry Geist, obviously, is about, um, you know, vegetarianism and veganism and the fast food industry and how disgusting that is. Uh, so there's definitely some stuff that's going on there on another level, which I always appreciate. So it's, it's a mix of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Any more? young boys into these deep social issues with tits. I have no problem with that. <laughs> movie, you know, you can't lure young boys into movies about deep social issues um, many other ways. But maybe Lloyd Kaufman, he is a mad genius for that. Now, I will give him credit on this, too. He is no... Um, He's no opponent of man ass either, so there's some male nudity in those books yes, as well. True, yes, yes, his own ass included. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, have you seen Poultry Geist? Okay, I I'm going to out myself as somebody who I don't think I've ever seen a trauma per- film. Then what? you've never seen oh. then you've never seen Lloyd Trom- Lloyd Calvin's naked ass, and consider yourself blessed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> more often because I own I personally own two trauma films Poltergeist and Dumpster Baby an autographed copy of Dumpster Baby um, and, and Alex my roommate has all the Toxic Avenger movies so I don't know I mean I'm not that familiar with a lot of trauma films but that's a great place to start so Brian you can come over you know, I know you've got yeah. you know, a subtle video up there but you don't have any trauma, and we got trauma over here. I also have to say, I also have to say something here. Um, going back to Lloyd, um, I guess it was around 2000, 2010 or eleven. A buddy of mine, that buddy who told me about Freddie being scary, got together over the course of a weekend because <laughs> we we both love horror flicks, and we were watching a bunch of them together. And we looked at each other like, we could write much better shit than this. <laughs> so we wrote a, a script, and I wrote it as a trauma film, and I kind of wrote it as the fourth, you know, new uh, Um And I met Lloyd, and I gave him a copy. And then a couple weeks later, I met him at a convention, and I gave him a copy. And a couple weeks later, he was signing his second or third book at the Strand in the city, in New York City. So we went and we asked him about it and he said he loved it, but it was way too expensive. He couldn't make it on the budget he had. Um, and then um, <laughs> I won a lunch with Lloyd about a year or two later 
and I was allowed to bring a guest, so I brought my friend there, and the two of us discussed low-budget filmmaking with Lloyd. He was trying to convince us to make our own movie, but I'm not really in the director or that. Well, that's too complicated for me. I just want to write. But yeah, so Lloyd and I have a pretty deep, intimate history, and I've never slept with him, so that's good. <laughs> See, so you can name drop a little bit too. You've got a, a something of a relationship with Lloyd Townsend. You didn't grow up with him. You didn't crush on him, but you know the guy kind of. Yes. You've had more conversations with Lloyd Townsend than I've probably had with AJ Bowen. And I grew up with AJ. So, AJ is a big dick to me. That's why I like watching him die in horror movies. Just remember, Brian. Just edit that out, Brian. Just, just remember, Brian, just remember, Sonic Cinema, Sonic Cinema Podcast number 22, the AJ Bowen story, okay? Uh, I'm only, I'm going back to it because you guys said that. Like, I, not, I had intensely thought in advance, don't talk about AJ and his movies too much. <laughs> but it's like, it's hard not to because literally he is the reason I know both of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm the reason you know each other. So. Yeah. It all that ties is, in. That, is, all that ties is actually in. true. It's fair. It's fair game. It's absolutely <laughs> fair game. Plus he's sick to me and I like watching him die. So, and he, he's a dick to me and he dies in movies for a living. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to give AJ a big hug if I ever meet him and thank him for for knowing you and Brian. I'm so sorry you ever knew her in real life. <laughs> I say that to Brian all the time. I'm so sorry you know me in real life. You know, I I have no problem with that. I I have no problem with that. So Brian, let me ask you. Let's get you on those. Are there any really low budget, you know, Low budget, no budget, microcosm flicks that you really love in the horror genre. Um, Besides Troll Two, is Troll Two low budget or is it just bad? It's it's a oh it's it's not high budget at all. It's very much low oh, okay. budget. It's okay. You know it's it's a uh, it's a sequel to a movie called Trolls with yes. even fewer stars than the original Trolls and no trolls. Spoiler alert. No, it's goblins. Yeah, it's yeah. not trolls. <laughs> and if that doesn't make you want to watch Troll 2, then by God, uh, oh, I, I don't know what else would. I want to just for his reputation. Just the reputation alone. I want to see. Well, Heather, if you, watch, if you end up watching Troll 2, you have to see the documentary called Best Worst yes. Movie. Yes. Yeah. Which yes. is yes. awesome. That I know. That I know my roommate has downloaded. I'm almost positive he downloaded. That is an amazing documentary because this guy who was in the movie, I think he's like a dentist now or something. Yeah. And that movie had a revival a couple years back, and then all of a sudden he was playing the graphics and stuff for being in trouble too. <laughs> he's like the hero of the film. <laughs> oh yeah, my well yeah the uh, the the kid who was the hero in the movie is the one who directed the documentary. And yes, that's the, right. The guy who's the dentist now was his father in the movie and yeah that yeah i got a chance to see that at uh at one of the art house theaters the landmark theater in atlanta 10 years ago with uh my friend ronnie and then another friend of mine who's absolutely obsessed with troll 2 like for his birthday one year like we went over I went over to his house and he basically we it it was almost like a shot in a time 
uh, sort of commentary on Troll 2. He's so obsessed with the movie. But yeah, we went to uh, and they they we they did a screening of Troll 2, and uh, the director of the documentary and the actor who played the father were both there, and that was really fun. That was really well, that must have been a ball, yeah. Oh yeah, and, I mean watching that movie with a crowd is something else. It's uh, it's just absolutely batshit insane. I mean, it's a terrible movie, but it is truly one of the fun. And it's so bad like, it's good. Thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So besides that, back to Phil's question: Is there any like low budget trash that you love? Um, I low budget s- trash so much. You know, and the thing is, it's like there. I mean, there are. I can't say there's like. There are a lot of low budget, like independent movies that I've watched that I've had the chance to screen because filmmakers have asked me to uh, watch them and write reviews of them. But I mean, I there's nothing in that vein that I would necessarily consider trash because it's like most of them have actually been pretty good. Like there is have there been horror movies or other kinds of movies? Well, I mean, a little bit I mean, of I everything. Yeah, I mean a little yeah. bit of everything. Like I, I've gotten horror, I've gotten horror screeners, I've gotten dramas, comedies, what have you. I mean, there is this one, there is this one uh, horror-ish type uh, movie. It's, it's, it's kind of it, it talking about like trauma and stuff like that, and talking about this type of low budget sort of exploitation movie. It's sort of cheesy you know, B-movie vibe. I mean, it does sort of have this uh, this this vibe. It's called uh, The Taint. And uh, it's... it's the actually, Taint? It's called The Taint. And uh, it's... Did I hear it correctly? Yes, you did. Yes, the taint? You, you did Am hear it correctly. There are... There, I mean, I know there's a non... I know that you word is inherently dirty, but I can't not hear it that way. <laughs> is it is it about is it about what my brain goes to or something else? Um, I it sort of goes that direction. What your brain is thinking, but it's it's sort of also this in a way. If I remember correctly, it's been several years since I've seen it. But it's uh, it's sort of a science gone awry type movie as well, and uh, it's 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 very low budget, very B movie. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun though. Um, and the science review... gone awry. He said. <laughs> yes. Science gone awry. Yeah. Yes. The first thing that comes to my mind is I can't believe I haven't mentioned Frankenhooker. All of this talk about <laughs> terrible cheesy, low-budget shit. <laughs> mm. That's science gone awry, too. Mm-hmm. That's, in the, and that's another favorite of mine, and that's, like, and I made mean, a review for Phil about that one. <laughs> yes, you did. And I, I mean, it was not my best work, but the movie, but I hadn't seen the movie in a couple years, but it left enough of an impression on me but I could I could write a review without watching it again immediately before writing because fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. Now she now she had a 
on that topic of you writing reviews, you know, and I'll tell Brian and the rest of the world here on the internet or anyone who listens that part of the reason I love your reviews and the way you write things is that you have a totally different, even when we like the same stuff, you write stuff in a way I totally would not write about stuff. And I think that's great because I get another perspective on things that is intelligent and it's, it's a feminine perspective and it's really creative and well-written and I just love when you write. Mm-hmm. Great I stuff. Think... You're welcome. Sorry, I haven't done more of it. <laughs> no, there's always time. At least you're on the podcast. I'm not right? goes to all the perverted places, though. And I've done that with Brian. I've, I've written a couple of reviews for Brian, too. And my brain just goes to that perverted place <laughs> too much. I don't... This is, a, this is why I told you guys, like, I'm more sick and demented than you are. And so when we talk horror, it's going to be a different conversation. Both of you are, I'm not a non-cerebral person, but both of you are way more like, I guess, frankly, mature. (laughs) You're you're both older than me, but like, I'm still, my my sense of humor is still like, I, I still have a sick, immature sense of humor and I'm not really apologetic about it because Mm -hmm. What's more fun that way? So, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I know I see things differently. You know, like I said, we disagree on a lot of stuff, but we agree that Freddy versus Jason was a piece of shit, right? <laughs> yes, Brian doesn't I, agree with I, us, but Brian, that's okay. I know, I know, and I was, I was, well, I was holding it back really hard when Brian was talking about it, like in positive <laughs> terms, like, no, that would be fucking terrible. And I've been trolling him every time he mentions it on Facebook. I'm trolling him with, with Pokemon gifts and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, you did. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. And I'm like, you're not allowed to love this because it's bad. And it's like, it's like, it's like uh, Ron called it a guilty pleasure. And I'm like, yes, you should feel guilty for finding pleasure in this because it's that bad. You should feel guilty. It's that bad. <laughs> I, I I sat through that and I wanted that piece of my life back. So I had to write a review just to kind of make it worth my while. <laughs> I don't even remember the review that I wrote. I just know that I wrote one and put it up on the Dev Ensemble. I only think, I'm just like, I remember shitting on the movie. And that's about all I remember of my own review because I hated it so much. <laughs> Kelly Rowland was my favorite part of the whole movie. Kelly Rowland, the like, the second most famous person from Destiny's Child who is like way <laughs> less famous than the most famous famous person from Destiny's Child <laughs> is my favorite part of Freddy vs. Jason. And she's actually surprisingly not terrible after it. I was very, very surprised she wasn't worse. She wasn't <laughs> great, but in that cast, she stood out as stellar. So. <laughs> that, that is... You're definitely not wrong about that. I watched it again on Tuesday, and you're definitely not wrong on that. Like, yeah, I that was that was one of the things. I mean, I yeah, it, it's that that's sort of where I brought up the uh, the question when we were talking about slasher movies earlier. Is to you know, does it matter whether you actually care about like the the cannon fodder for the killers? Like, do you? how important is that to a good slasher? And it's like, I think it kind of, it matters to a certain point. I mean, I think like what Phil says, like, except for, especially with the Friday 13th movie, or maybe it was Heather, but one of you mentioned is like, 
you know, except for the woman who inevitably, the one person who inevitably survives at the end, it's like all of those characters are reversible. And like I watched, uh, and I watched uh, Friday 13th part three for the first time in like 30 years recently. And I'm like, oh my God, this one's lousy because it's so predictable and so like it's, I just don't care about any of those characters. And that was number three. It went on how long? That was number three, but it was that predictable. And they made how many more? Uh, yeah, that would be seven more, and then the uh, reboot in two thousand nine. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> if you count Freddy versus Jason, there's twelve of them altogether. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to remember that they were pumping those out like at a breakneck pace. Friday the Thirteenth Part Two came out less than a year after the first one did. Yeah. So the first one came out, made a shitload of money. That means they wrote, filmed, and edited one and had it out like uh, 10 or 11 months later. Yep. Yep. And then... Well, you like... were because you were alive. <laughs> yes. Because I'm old. Way back I got you. when. <laughs> yes, but that was the then. thing. Those, those, movies, those movies used to come out like once a year. Yeah. So it was just boom, 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 you know, throw them out. And that's why, especially with the Friday the 13th flicks, they're, I'm telling you, you're watching the same movie over and over again. Mm-hmm. And they made a ton of money for Paramount until Paramount got to the point where they started making less money. And then they said, oh, well, we don't need this anymore. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, for a decade there, that was what it was, you know? And you had these interchangeable characters. And then you have the later ones where they start throwing in characters for one scene just to kill them. Mm-hmm. So, what I call collateral collateral damage victims, people who just show up out of nowhere in the story halfway through and a scene later they're dead. Yeah, I mean that's just you know that that's absolute garbage screenwriting. And how how am I supposed to care about somebody I just met thirty seconds ago? You know, mm-hmm. I would rather I would rather have four kills with meaningful characters in a series than fourteen kills of meaningless characters. I don't give a fuck about you know. Yeah. That's where I'm at on that. That brings me to one of my favorite slashers that I hope and pray they never, ever, ever make a sequel because they will ruin it for me forever. And that's your next. I don't care that it goes back to the thing you guys keep teasing me about. That movie is a great slasher for the exact reason that Phil just said. It's like you care about the characters who die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah your next does your next does a great job of building building a family. It feels like a real family right. while you're watching it. It's a family, and you watch each member of the family die one by one, and you're wondering what the fuck is going on. Except I figured it out early on. I figured it out early on. Don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it. But to me, it was very predictable who was behind it all. But it was it maybe some people some people weren't picking up on it that readily. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, you watch this whole family die one by one, but they build the characters and they build the family dynamic. They built the family dynamic before anybody died. Mm-hmm. That was probably the best thing. Oh, that, yeah. And then they had, because it was like a, it was a holiday celebration or whatever, the, the adult kids brought their significant others. So that added, that added to the body count. That mm-hmm. helped. And like that's like... So that, I mean, that, that's a good thing with a slasher is a, you don't want a really high body count, but a higher body count is sometimes is sometimes enjoyable. Um, 
having this, this significant others with the adult children, you know, it's like that adds so much more to the story and the family dynamic and, and the, the characters that you care about or don't care about or are curious about. And even the neighbor dies. It's like, there's, there are people, it's like a whole, it's a, it's a family. It's a family and it's in a neighborhood and it, like there's, they built it up perfectly. They killed up almost perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, and the end paid off. And if they ever made a sequel, I'd be so pissed because some movies just don't need a sequel. And that movie is a great slasher. Like it is such a great, like contemporary classic to me, I think. And I, I don't know. I know a lot of people who saw it and loved it. And I was so happy to see so many people love it like I did. Um, I know a lot of people never did see it and probably never will. Um, and that's bad for them. Um, I think that the people who won't see it are people who are obsessed with Friday the 13th. and think that Friday the 13th is like the most amazing franchise ever. Um, but I think those people just like a high body count. I, I think people who are really fascinated with Friday the 13th just like the body count. I don't think they care about much more. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't have deep conversations with those people. Because like I said before, I kind of touched them. Well, and the thing is, it's like I'm I'm somebody who I like I actually even though I will admit that uh, Freddy is definitely a more interesting villain than Jason, the first two Friday Thirteenth movies are two of my favorite horror movies of all time. But and I understand the reason the I, reason without seeing them, just knowing about them, I understand it. Yeah, and the reason those two stand out is because of the fact that it's a very circular arc. It's very it makes sense you, to go from film one to film two based on what the story is. And right. Yeah, it's, but, you know, and it's like, yeah, there are sequels that I enjoy, but, you know, it's like most of the sequels I can do without seeing them. And, uh, All right, well, while we're on the subject of Friday the 13th, I didn't mean to cut you off. Can I tell you the one thing I really hate about that film more than anything else? Okay. The first one? The first one. As we have established, spoiler alert, uh, Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. Mm-hmm. This is, and now, this is supposed to be a mystery. You're supposed to be trying to figure out who this killer is as this movie goes through. Until she reveals herself, you've never even heard of Mrs. Voorhees before. She's never mentioned. I think the, killing, the kid drowning is mentioned at some point, but there's, yeah. you're, you're asking me to solve a mystery with a character that's never been mentioned before, and therefore that is impossible, and it doesn't work by the mystery route. It doesn't work by mystery rules at all. Well, and the thing is, it's like, do you consider it necessarily... I mean, I, I think one of the fundamental questions you have to ask in that case is, is the first Friday 13th sort of... Is it set up to be a... I guess to a certain extent set up to be a mystery, but I don't know if that's necessarily true. With the second one, I think it is. But at the same point, I don't know that the first one is. I think the first one you've got, the title was the big hook. Obviously, Friday the 13th. That makes sense. But you didn't have, I, I think to a certain extent, it's obviously, you know, copying the Halloween uh, template of slasher movie, of, you know, what the slasher movies became 
But at the same time, I don't know that that's necessarily set up to be, oh, who's doing... I mean, yes, on the one hand, it's like, oh, who's doing the killing? But I I like the fact that you don't really get an idea of that until, like, she presents herself. I like that. I like the fact that it's like... I, as someone who hasn't seen it, I, I'm curious, more curious to see it now, hearing both of your angles on that, because I can see both points. Mm-hmm. Like, I can see how watching it as a mystery and and the when the mystery is ultimately like all the review uh it's somebody who was never even a factor in your mind from the start um i can see how that would i can see how that would be both a positive and a negative as a viewer mm-hmm. like absolutely see it as as either or and i and i have not seen this movie i feel so bad that i i feel like there's so many horror classics I haven't seen, and I call myself a horror fan. And I, all the horror movies that I love tend to be like some of the most obscure movies. And I, I was told Phil months ago, I think, that like my 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 love of horror started with movies that I don't even remember the names of. I had to look up Cannibal Holocaust. I, I had to find the name. I don't even know. I can't. I think it was like a. It was like a list of like the like the most banned movies or something, and that's when I figured out the name. I was like, "Oh, that was the movie that, that I rented that one time." Um, it was like because I just went. Uh, Brian knows. <laughs> Brian knows the, the, the friend. He's I, this guy is not famous at all, but uh, he's like born again and like super like family man now like. Bullshit. I, I won't say his name if he listens to this. But he and I would we would rent horror movies together. We would look for the most obscure shit we could find, looking for the most fucked up shit we could find because <laughs> we were fucked up kids. And and like I said, he's all born again Christian now, and I'm not buying it. But we rented messed up stuff that I can't remember the names of. Like I because I was renting the your stuff forever. I missed all of these classics that people talk about. I only saw um, Rosemary's Baby like four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I'd ever seen that. And then I saw it and I was like, I don't get what what the big deal is. Like, it's not that it's not scary at all. <laughs> I, I don't understand why this movie was ever a big deal. But at least now I understand the references a little bit better. Um, but like classic horror movies, I've missed because I was busy watching all the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I have to see the first Friday the Thirteenth because Timmy Kimball talked about it now that I can't not. Well, let me know what you think, and let me know if you're you know with me on this or Brian on this because it, it's totally frustrating. I'm coming from a story a storytelling angle, and I just see it as a right. a just it, it's so I just can't believe that you never meet the person beforehand and you're supposed to be trying to figure out who's doing this but I can see yeah, Brian's I, point as well yeah I can I can see both of your points but at the same time I think that from a movie viewer standpoint the frustration that you feel I, I, the frustration you feel is from a story standpoint what Brian likes about it I think it's coming from a movie viewing standpoint like people who People who like movies with jump scares, 
I don't like movies with jump scares because of my nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably used to like it, but my nervous system was all garbage. But <laughs> now, like those jump scares, like no, no, thank you. I don't need to have a seizure right now. Um, but the jump, jump scares, like people, some people get off on that. Some people like the jump scares, and I feel like like that was that movie was probably like enjoyable on that kind of a level. Like you, you're trying to figure it out, but you're also not. You don't care because it's you know, there's other things going on that that keep you like invested in the movie, mm-hmm. and not so much not necessarily the story. Yeah, um, I don't know because I haven't seen it, but I, I can see that that could be the angle Brian's coming from. Is that it's a movie viewing thing? Like roller coasters are just you know that's it's there's no story in a roller coaster. That's just one long like 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 exciting thing with. Jump scares in the sense, like you but, don't know. But but name. but I will counter that. I'm not trying to figure out who's driving the roller coaster. Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, it's like <laughs> I under. And the I'm thing saying, is, like, I under. Of a horror movie with some people. Yeah, and the thing is, I do understand what you're talking about, Phil. It's like, and I can definitely understand from your perspective why that's frustrating. I mean, I think I I think for me, like I've never even thought about that. That it's like, well, you never really introduce the character before except in that old you know and except in that prologue where you don't even see the character but i mean you know that it's somebody who is familiar you know is that somebody who's familiar with those camp counselors that get killed in that opening sequence yes but yeah i mean for for the characters who are rebuilding the uh the the camp for the bulk of the story yeah, I mean, you you don't get any sense that they know. You don't necessarily get a sense that they know the history or know of what happened there. And so, yeah, I mean, in in the second one, it makes sense that that knowledge is there because of the fact. That, I mean, it basically is takes place shortly after the first movie, but. Uh, and so they're trying to build the mythology behind Jason and, you know, why he's doing this. And that's one of the things that is so great about the second one. But yeah, the first one, I just never even think about that. And it's like you have that one moment with, uh, oh, what's the uh, what's the old guy's name in the first first two? Crazy Ralph. Crazy Ralph, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe I forgot his name. But uh yeah, you you have that character who's the harbinger of doom. Uh but at the same time, you you don't really hear much of anything else. So, I do understand what you're coming where you're coming from though with that. Uh but yeah, I like like I like I said, I'm just not necess- I don't necessarily think about that watching that. I movie, I, so. I want to I want to counter both of you guys with like throwing out Scream for a second because for me watching Scream the first time I think I was watching it like Brian watched the first Friday the 13th like not really thinking about like thinking about the movie as a mystery of who this killer was sure yeah but even though this even though this, the killer turns out to be somebody that we know like we get to know in the movie and the you don't really start watching that movie at least I didn't thinking of it as a mystery to solve. It's, I, I don't really, 
it's, I kind of feel like I need to watch Scream again now, but that when I saw Scream the first time, I didn't think that the killer was going to be anybody we knew. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't expect that at all. And then it turns out, in the end, it's somebody we knew, somebody we got to know, and he had a good reason or whatever. And then, the, then they made sequels, and they managed to, they managed to twist it. But, but I thought the killer was dead in the first one. And, mm-hmm. and so, obviously, the sequels, was more, you're watching it more like a mystery. But the first one, I felt like you're not watching it like a mystery at first. I mean, maybe somewhere in the middle, it feels more like a mystery. But at the beginning, it's just like, this guy is going around killing people. What the fuck? What's well, the problem? Like, well, you, the thing is... like you don't really know exactly what or why this stuff is happening. Well, and the thing and is... And they're not like... thinking of it as, as there's going to be a reveal. Well, and the thing is, with Scream, it's a completely different beast. And it's like, yes, you're absolutely right. With Especially with the first scene with Drew Barrymore in the first movie, it's like, no, you're not necessarily thinking of who... It is. Now, I mean, Kevin Williamson in the script, I mean, obviously you have, like, little red herrings of, oh, it could be this person, it could be this person, it could be this person. The big hook of those movies, especially the first three, is how it's playing with the conventions that slasher movies followed for the longest time. And it's basically mm-hmm. putting those on putting, putting those on end. And so that's right. the hook. That's the hook. It's not necessarily the mysteries. The hook is... Well, I get the hook. Yeah. Obviously, I get the hook. Yeah. But it's like, I was comparing it to Friday the 13th because mm-hmm. to me, it's like the second one I can see is more of a mystery because you think that the killer is dead from the first one. Like, how are they going to How are they gonna continue this? I thought the killer was dead. Yeah. And the killer was dead and it was like his mom or whatever. And, and so... It's like, and you don't expect the twist of it being more than one person either. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, that, that's what I like about, what I like about Scream is kind of the thing that you're saying you like about that, or I don't know if you said you like it or this is a thing you, um, with the first Friday the 13th movie, but there's not, to me, I didn't watch it as a mystery at first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it kind of became a mystery. Like I said, somewhere in the middle, it became more of a mystery. Oh yeah. Um, than a horror, but and the first, what is a good? I really do have to watch it again to see how like much into it you get before it turns into kind of a mystery. But you start out watching it not expecting the killer to be anybody, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like and it, and it pays off in the end, regardless. Well, and and I feel that's <sighs> kind of where you're coming from with Friday the Thirteenth. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and I, but it, you know, so I get it. I think I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a movie. I think it's a movie viewing kind of experience more than a storytelling kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. With Scream, I, I, I don't know. Scream, like, I guess it works from a storytelling standpoint, but I don't, I don't know if Scream could be told as a story. If Scream can't be told as a story that would anybody would care about. Kind of like, you know, the first thirteenth doesn't seem like it would be told as a story that maybe we care about if it's told like it plays in the in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scream works as a movie. It doesn't work as a it, it Scream works as a movie, but not an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because you have a reporter in the movie who is telling the story of Teddy Prescott or whatever. And yeah, it's her story. 
No, it's only interesting because a lot of people die. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not, like, that part of the story is not terribly interesting, but the way it plays out, it's fun to watch. Yeah. So there's, a, I think that there, like, I think, I understand both sides. I understand both sides of the, between you guys. I really need to see this shit now. <laughs> <laughs> like, God damn it. I mean, I have enough reasons to like get to my backlog of classic horror. Now you guys gotta go and make me watch something that was not at the top of that priority list. <laughs> well, as as much as I would love to uh, continue this conversation, I know. Yeah, it's it's way past. I'm already looking forward to, yeah. to hearing how man to edit this down. <laughs> well, again, thank you very much for the invite, Brian. Anything good oh, coming no up problem. on Sonic Cinema? Uh, well, I mean, you know, we've, we've got some... Yeah, well, I mean, we've... Got I mean, this. other than this, Heather. <laughs> well, we've got this podcast. We've got the uh, last two uh, horror movie uh, movie weeks coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh which will be one that one horror movie that's extremely well known and actually sort of ties into last week's, which was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then the last one is uh, a little bit more obscure, but uh, for horror fans uh, who are familiar with uh, '30s and '40s horror, it's gonna be uh, somewhat well known. Um, and then uh, I've got lots of ideas for more podcasts in the uh, coming months. Uh, gonna have some guests on with that. I uh, don't know if there are gonna be any individual ones I'm gonna do. I, I'm trying to do as many ones with guests as possible because that's just so much more fun than just me talking and talking for <laughs> like however long I feel like I can talk about something by myself. Um, but yeah, there's not. So I mean, there are gonna be some more podcasts up. There's gonna be. Obviously, reviews whenever I can get uh get to movies. Going to try, hopefully, catch up on movie week by year's end. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, what does uh, Death Ensemble have coming up? Well, last time I told you I was working on getting the post up for the Ken Sagos interview, which is up now. Um, so that's up. I've got some a backlog. Speaking of uh, what Heather was thinking about backlog, I have a whole bunch of reviews and whatnot that I have to um, revise and post. Um, so there's much stuff coming on that end. And um, I try to put up every Halloween a <laughs> I do a Halloween um, suggested um, suggested movie marathon once a year. I try to do it once a year anyway for Halloween. Um, I'm not quite sure what the topic's going to be this year. I have a few because I like to put together a whole bunch of movies and suggest why you would want to watch them and why in particular what particular order so that'll be coming up on the 31st and hopefully i'll have a whole bunch of writing from heather soon right heather i don't know about a whole bunch but i was gonna say <laughs> I, knew, I knew it's the dumpster baby review <laughs> and, uh, and i was i was you know i wanted to do a, a hell of fame entry soon um for the queen of halloween elvira mistress of the dark Oh, I definitely look forward to that. Mm. I mean, I gotta do my homework though, man, because 
you know, I love I love Elvira and I follow her on Facebook and I Cassandra Peterson every time she appears on like she she's been on the Talking Dead a couple of times and uh, she's buddy buddy with Chris Hardwick now or whatever. Um, it's like I follow her on social media and stuff, but I like all of her like all this stuff that made her famous. It's like it's so far back in my memory. I'm like oh, I gotta do my homework to do this piece justice. Because she deserves a good piece. Because um, Elvira is the shit, and she is She's a huge part of why I love horror. Not because she herself is in horror per se. It's that there's like there's just that dark, weird thing that is like I don't I don't know why I'm just demented, and I've always been I've always been drawn to the strange and unusual, like you know. Um, Lydia and and Beelzee, I myself am strange and unusual. Like I relate to that, and I really relate to Elvira in that way. So, and I, turns out I'm not that unique, and that's kind of cool. Um, I'm not as I'm not as far obsessed with her as to have like a tattoo of her, like some people do at the, the conventions she goes to, and they come up to her and. I, I follow her, but I just like all the things that made her what she is. It's so deep in my memory that I have to do my homework, and that's where that's where I'm behind on doing that piece because I got to do it justice. I can't just throw, throw something together; it wouldn't be right. The dumpster baby review. I could possibly throw something together. <laughs> I probably should at this point because I've owed it to you for a few years. Um, but yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna induct Elvira into the Hall of Fame soon enough, hopefully by Halloween. She's the queen of Halloween. Well, Brian, thank you so much for having both of us. Oh, thank you. I'm glad we were able to do this. We wanted to do this last week, but it didn't work out. But I'm really glad we were able to uh, do this, the three of us together. Can I say happy editing to you, sir? Because this is gonna be a (laughs) difficult one. I mean, yes, yes and no. I mean, we'll, yeah, it'll probably take a while to, uh, to do. It'll probably take a few days to do. And, uh, yeah, I probably won't have quite as quick a turnaround as I usually do on it. But, you know, I, I think it'll, it'll turn out fine. I'm not worried about that. So, but yeah, thank you for, thank you both for joining me. And, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to uh, turn off the record here and make sure that's all nice and safe before I uh, let you guys go. So uh, thank you very much to uh, Heather and uh, Phil for joining me. And uh, definitely want to do this again with uh, with both of you because this was a lot of fun. Sounds good. Okay. Right on. I want to thank Phil Faso from Death Ensemble once again for joining me on this podcast. It's a lot of fun to talk about horror with them. And thank you also to Heather Burnt, who is the person who brought us together. And uh, I was really glad we were able to get her input on the horror genre on this episode as well. Um, Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Heather's work, there are a few reviews of hers on Sonic Cinema that you can check out. Uh, I know she did uh, Devil Dog and Green Lantern back in 2011. I'm fairly certain she also did Burlesque as well. So on Sonic Cinema, those are the reviews of hers that are available. She also has written a lot for uh, 
fill over Death Ensemble, and hopefully we'll have some more uh, coming up from her. As far as the uh, podcast goes, I'm planning on doing one more Halloween uh, theme pom- podcast uh, with another friend, uh, Marv Dickey, who I reviewed a uh, movie with back in May. And we're going to talk about our respective uh, months of uh, horror for the past uh, few weeks. And then I also want to take a deep dive into the work of Andrei Tarkovsky with one of my favorite filmmakers. Hopefully, I will uh, be able to do a Marvel podcast with uh, Ron, and maybe we'll be able to get our friend Dave on to that one. And then hopefully Ron and a uh, friend of ours will be able to uh, get a Star Wars podcast done before The Last Jedi comes out or after. And then uh, we've got the end of the year. We've got the Oscars coming up. And hopefully I will uh, be catching up with a lot of movies in between then. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. And I will uh, talk to you later at www.sonic-cinema.com. (laughs) 